Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the One Peace of Mind podcast. I am your host, Nico White. Now, this week we're coming back with chapter 1018. And before I even go any further, Oda did an amazing job of making the entire fan base salivate with want for chapter 1019. 1018 was a roller coaster of a ride from beginning to end. And it even started with the cover page. On the cover page this week, we have page one and Alti, right? And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Page one and Alti have really, really, really grown on me. Especially if you guys are caught up with the anime, which I'll be talking about in the next episode. But yeah, fam, I'll talk about that more in the next episode. But the cover spread that we got this week with page one and Alti. They're just adorable, fam. They're really adorable. And when I think about how much time we spent with them, we may have spent the most time with them than we have any other Toby Ropo member. And I love their design. You know, I guess I could spoil this. If you are, um, you know, if you watch the anime, then, and you're not caught up, spoiler alert, but we just got a reveal of the Toby Ropo in the anime. And page one and all T, their designs, sick. Absolutely sick. Page one, the green and white, fire. Like, I actually want that outfit myself to wear. Um, but their dynamic is great. It ra- it kind of reminds me a lot of Usopp and Nami's dynamic in a way. Just like if it was turned all the way up. That's how I see page one and all two. So, we get into the chapter and we start to see the Thomas Powers work work, okay? Everyone that Tama has fed her Kibidango to through speed. Or Hosselina, as Tama calls her. They've all started to convert, right? And Kaido's forces take note of that. They realize that, oh man, it's Tama. It's something that Tama must have done. So Tama already becomes a target. And then the next thing that we get is them running away, Nami, Usopp, and Tama. And Daifugo jumps in to save Tama, right? And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It, I had a really um, cool moment watching this because it kind of reminded me of Bellamy. And what I mean by that is, do you remember in Dressrosa when we get Bellamy and he's fighting Luffy again and he's crying with tears in his eyes? And we realize that Bellamy is what you get when somebody takes advantage of your ambition, right? When somebody takes advantage of your loyalty, you get what Bellamy was in Dressrosa before Luffy freed him from Doflamingo's power, right? Bellamy was the type of person would, that would do anything just to be on Doflamingo's good side. And it's just so funny to me how One Piece is kind of playing up on that dynamic in this chapter, especially considering some things that we get later on in the chapter. But when Dafugo was a loyalist to Kaido, he was unruly. He was ready to kill Hirogoro right in Udon prison. So it's just something to really consider that right now I enjoy this character, right? Because he's a friend to one of our friends. However, not too long ago, I couldn't stand this character. Now think about it like this. If I were into villains more, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was into the main villains, grunts, his henchmen, then I may have preferred Daifugo to stay a villain. You get what I mean? So I'm just saying it's funny what a little perspective can do to you, you know, because I can appreciate Daifugo for what he is now, but for what he was, mm, hated it. So I like the dynamic that we see here. You get Otama having a nice open relationship with her um, subordinates. And 
it's not the relationship that somebody like let's say Queen has with them where it's like oh all you guys are basically just grunts you know what I'm saying it seems like they all matter they seem to all have a certain rapport with Tama and another thing is that <laughs> we get the little gag on page three of you know Horselina grabbing um Tama and Nami letting them ride her back and then they leave Usopp behind with him running up you know be saved as well so of course, they promise to protect them. We get this great moment where Nami and Usopp are kind of commenting on everything that happens. Nami says that Tama's power is really remarkable. And Usopp's like, yeah, you know, you're right. It's not oftentimes you make friends on a battlefield. Then we get a little appearance from Zeus, man. Zeus is always nice to see. Really cute character. And he says, Nami, can I be your servant? Or something along those lines, right? And Nami says, no, of course. And she says... But you can be my sidekick. And it's just, it's wholesome, fam. That's the only way to put it. It's a really wholesome part of the chapter. Zeus goes crazy. He starts going off, getting all the grunts out of the way. And Usopp says something that I just found interesting. And of course, I found it interesting because it came from Usopp. But Usopp says, you picked up something remarkable too, I gotta say. With the sweat drop emoji in his um, thought bubble. And the reason that I found that so interesting is because... As we know, Usopp hasn't gotten his main fight of this arc yet. And I'm telling you, I truly, truly do believe that Usopp has a power-up coming. I think I may have already speculated that it could be the Chondro Devil Fruit if Chondro is actually dead. But even if it's not, it might, it might be something that's related to something at the end of this chapter. That's my own headcanon, but we'll get to that when we get to that. So... Continuing on, we get a quick update with the CP0 agents that are on Wano. They're, they're saying that, you know, the enemy's forces have managed to take out about a thousand of ours, which means that the Animal Kingdom pirates have dropped to about, what? I think the final number, if I wasn't mistaken, was it 16,000 on Kaido's side versus now 9,000 on Luffy's, you know? And they were even saying that, you know, if things keep up, it might even switch in the Alliance's way. And then here's where it gets interesting. CP0 is definitely very, very reminiscent to some of our own governments. Wink, wink, point, point. Um, because they say something that's interesting. They said, whichever side wins does not matter to us, but there is one death we must confirm before this is over. And they go, are you sure it's him? That classified intelligence he ran off with was old. And there's no real harm to the government. And then the man says, it doesn't set good precedent that you can escape from us and live to tell the tale. I think that really did explain a lot. And again, I'm telling y'all, make sure y'all tune into the next episode because it's just going to be a nice long theory video. But I think I got some real dope stuff in there. So next episode, we'll talk more about this and everything else. But again... I think there's something to be said, and I think that might be why we see certain characters behave the way they behave. Because like the CP0 agent said, it doesn't set good precedent that you can escape from us and live to tell the tale. And of course, they're talking about who's who because they say, assuming he survives this, of course, he is fighting Jinbei after all. 
So now, the respect on Jinbei, I'm always there for that. Love Jinbei, love Jinbei, love Jinbei, love his character. Very much happy that he's a part of the crew. Jinbei is one of those scorned people that, for all intents and purposes, if he hated everybody, he'd 100% be right to after the life he's led. However, Jinbei is a lot more forward-thinking than that. Jinbei is a lot more open-minded than that. And Jinbei proves to us why he is exactly who he is in this chapter. The fact that he's the helmsman, somebody that could take things, you know, with his bare hands and completely change its course makes sense. And this is why I say this. We cut to the fourth floor where Jinbei and Who's Who are fighting, right? And Jinbei is doing like, you know, he's parrying, playing defense right now because Who's Who's on the attack. And Jinbei asks the man straight out, it's like, are you saying you have a grudge against Luffy? And Who's Who's like, nah, technically my grudge is against Shanks because Shanks stole the devil fruit. And then he shoots off a fang pistol that actually pierces Jinbei's armament hockey, cuts him a little bit. And who's who goes on to explain that Luffy wears the straw hat and ate the gum gum fruit that the man stole from who's who. So, of course, Luffy would be the one that he has a grudge with. And who's who, I want you to know that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's a very weak reason to have a grudge. However, you would definitely make a great American, my friend. We see the who's who's fang pistol attack is very, very powerful. It's going through the floors like a hot knife through butter. And, you know, we get the folks reacting to it on the third floor under them. And he even explains that even if you moved, even if you used your armament hockey against those attacks, like you would have been cut to pieces. And he was impressed that Jinbei could move so fast considering Jinbei's a fishman and all. And here's when we get to boss being the boss. Where Jinbei says, I don't even I don't believe this. Don't you know don't you know casual racism against fishmen is out of, is out of style these days? And then my favorite part of the chapter proceeds to happen. Because who's who gives this half ass apology, takes a fighting stance, and who's who's one of those people that's like, yo, bro, you pick a really weird time to talk. I'm just saying, if we fighting. And I'm definitely trying to kill you and you racist on top of that. Don't don't try to start up a casual conversation with me, dog. I'm I'm I'ma hurt you. So now who's who's like laughing about what he just said and goes, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, there's something I wanted to ask you. And then he jumps in Jinbei with his fang flash attack. He gets hit with some fishman jujitsu. You know what I'm saying? Low tide shoulder throat, tossed on his head. And he says to Jinbei. I wanted to talk to you about a story that I heard from a guard back when I was in prison. So apparently, when Who's Who was in prison, he was told by a certain guard that he should pray to the sun god Nika. Because apparently that was, the, that was who the slaves would pray to in the long distant past. And he's a legendary warrior believed who they believe will one day free them and then who's who says did he exist or did they dream him up they thought he'd bring smiles to their faces and deliver them from suffering who's who explains that my time in prison felt endless i i actually clung to that strange legend of theirs save me i thought someone anyone and then we get a couple, then we get a couple of back and forth with them. And Jinbei asks Who's Who straight up, like, yo, why are you asking me about this God, right? Why are you asking me this? And Who's Who says something that pisses Jinbei off. And he says, Because you led the Sun Pirates. 
I heard there were former slaves in that crew. And what is Fishman history but the history of slavery? And man, I don't know if y'all ever see videos on YouTube of like racists getting beat up in Walmart, but that's what this was. Because Jinbei went on to whoop this man's ass, as he should have. Who's who threw an attack called um, Finger Pistol Spots, where he just used Shigan over and over and over again. Jinbei's armament hockey is so strong that he broke who's who's fingers, grabbed him in what's called the shark grip, may have broke his wrist, and then told him straight up, I have nothing to say to the likes of you. Who's who tries to get off a couple more attacks, they absolutely do nothing. And then Jinbei releases a special attack. He hits who's who, who can't believe Jinbei is so mad. He can't understand where, where this giant surge of power came from in Jinbei. Jinbei hits him with the demon brick fist. And the damage that this attack looks like it's done is massive. And I think who's who is out cold. So now, as far as a quick wrap up on this chapter, I really did think it was a 9 out of 10. It was as close to, it was as close to perfect as perfect can be. I really think Oda did a lot to make us salivate, to make us want more. Personally, I do not think, like most of the fan base thinks, I do not think that the Sun God, Nika, and Joy Boy are the same thing. I think they're two separate entities. I think they're very much friends. I think they bring a certain thing to each other. I think we'll find out that Joy Boy brings bravery and things of that nature. And I think the Sun God, Nika, brings hope, laughter, and smiles. And I'll be talking about exactly who I think the Sun God Nika is in my next video that I hope, well, in my next episode that I hope you'll give a listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the One Piece of My Podcast with Nico White. Please make sure you support the official release of One Piece. You can follow the manga on viz.com and check out the anime. Toei Animation holds that down. Shueisha holds that down. Make sure y'all check them out. Follow me on Instagram at NikoWhite93. That is at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-93 on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. Please check out my other podcast. It's called The Potterhood Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you check out all of the amazing podcasts here on the Paper House Network. If I could tell you one of my favorites, it would definitely be one one by um, James Matter. It's called The Commissioner Comedy. Check that out. Give it a listen. Support, support, support. My name is Nico White. I'll catch you in the next one.